Everything's good. Brent, good morning. Let's do this thing. Good morning. What are we? Episode 45. I love this. Okay, so it is welcome, everybody, to the hot aisle. Um, it is episode 45, and we're going to do some fun stuff today. But first, let's talk about ourselves. I love to do that. I'm Brian Carpenter, and with me... Brent Piatti. Good morning. Man, we sound good today. So the, let's talk about what this show is all about. We have a, a recurring theme in the industry, um, and, and frankly, on our podcast, and, and containers are the new hot sexy, right? They're the new cool kids. And we keep hearing it over and over and over. And we've had a lot of great guests, Kubernetes, Mesosphere, um, a bunch of different things, even Docker. Um, and the goal of this show is to educate you more on container management. And we're going to talk to some people who were doing container management before container management was cool. Right. So even before the word Docker came up at uh, that conference and, uh, you know, Brian Cantrell and everybody got so excited about that stuff. We're going to talk about what these orchestra- orchestration layers mean, um, how you can integrate things like Swarm and Mesos and Kubernetes in a multi-tenant type environment. And with us to talk about that is uh, the executive team from Rancher. So uh, welcome, Shannon. Welcome, Shang. How are you all doing? Very good. Glad to be here. Yeah, thanks a lot for having us, guys. Looking Absolutely. forward to the discussion. Big fans of the show. Thanks. So does that mean you've listened to more than one or you had to do it once you figured out when we contacted you what was going on? <laughs> well, I had listened to um, – I have a good friend, Chris Sexsmith, who um, who was oh, on the yeah. show. You know, Chris, he was on the show earlier this year. We love Chris. So Chris, is, uh, Chris is really bright, and so he just mentioned the show, and, and there, there it went. So. Well, I'm Very glad cool. you're here. Since then, I've listened to a few. Yeah, we actually learned a lot about having multiple guests from Chris, um, and so we're going we're gonna to do this thing. We're going to try to balance – when we're not in person and we can point to someone and make sure we get a balanced conversation out of this. So again, um, you know, Shannon, we're going to introduce your, uh, your background a little bit. Shang, we're also going to introduce your background a little bit. Let's go ahead since it's in order in my notes. Let's start with Shannon. Um, so Shannon, currently we have you as the co-founder and VP of sales and marketing at Rancher. Is that, uh, is that accurate? Yeah, basically I'm the, uh, I'm the, there's four of us who actually started the company and I'm, I'm the one who can't code, so you know that, that kind of applies. Means I have to do everything else. I assume that with the bachelor's degree in journalism and political science, that um, <laughs> you weren't crazy heavy into uh, into coding. But you never know, man. We've seen guys like uh, who was it? Steve Francia from Docker came from a poli sci background, and he is a brilliant coder today. You know, it's funny. I mean, like I had a, a Commodore 128, and the, the, I remember learning to code on that back in the 80s when I was learning basic. And, uh, you know, it just, I, it was clearly not for me. <laughs> I remember thinking, you know what? Some people are probably really love this, and this for them is just joy. But uh, I, for me, I, I, just, I never got that bug. And I work with everyone who, who does. So, yeah. And so, it, what I love about this, too, is the fact that it means I do have a future and I could start a business because I also can't do anything in code but help people fix their documentation so i am a mediocre person at markdown and that's my that's my level of code so one one thing is uh shannon's actually been um, quite instrumental in getting our product the way it is today not just in terms of supplying requirements but uh uh you know he's the guy uh you know even though he hasn't really written any code for the for the product yet but from a you know, because because we we write this product for for for, for a DevOps audience. So from a, from a user, you know, actual understanding Docker, understanding Kubernetes, I'd say he's 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 way up there. So so you know, these days the the line between DevOps and ops and code isn't actually that clear anymore. 
And Sheng, you, uh, you're the, you're another one of the co-founders. I'd like to hear about the other two that we we don't have on the show, um, but and the CEO of of Rancher. So, first of all, what is the, what is, how did you, how did you win the the four way tie to be CEO? Uh, and then tell us about the other two co-founders. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think uh, you know, you just have to be the guy who originally instigated and uh, and you know try to just kind of get someone. Uh, get everyone all together to get this thing going, and and I'm the main product guy, I would say. And as you know, uh, startup uh, in the early days is really mostly about defining the product, uh, uh, establishing the vision, uh, finding the product market fit. So 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 as long as that's kind of the focus, I'll be I'll be kind of in charge. Uh, uh, the the other two uh, gentlemen are uh, uh, very ca- very very capable. Uh, w- one is uh, a guy called uh, Will Chan. He was he and I worked together for 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 over fifteen years, really, right from the point he graduated from college and from Berkeley, and um, uh, was really you know the best engineer I've ever worked with, and 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 and. And, and, and became a very, very good uh, people manager and, and, and project manager as well. So uh, he was the very first hire uh, I made at, uh, at my last company, Cloud.com, uh, uh, very first engineering hire. Shannon was the very first business hire. So, um, so it was kind of natural. I, I, I started a, uh, this, this company with him together. Uh, the, other, the other co-founder is uh, Darren Shepherd and he's a uh, he's very well known nowadays in the in the, in the Docker community. He uh, he was the chief cloud architect at GoDaddy, and GoDaddy I got to know him because uh, back when I was doing cloud.com, GoDaddy was a early customer of ours, so I got to meet with uh, work with him closely. And he's so good that he very quickly uh, uh, find, found our product dissatisfactory. So he actually uh, uh, um, he actually started to you know rewrite our product and really made it a lot better over the years. So and 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 after Cloud.com as a company was acquired by Citrix, uh, uh, Darren also came to join Citrix. Uh, then uh, when we you know, when when Shannon, Will, and I decided to start this. Company, we asked Darren to come on board as well, and 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 Darren is really quite instrumental in in in, in getting us to in the early days to pivot from more of a cloud computing uh, vision to, to to more of a container vision. I'd say he's the guy who got the the Docker bug uh, uh, earliest amongst all of us, and and his a. Uh, uh, his Twitter handle or GitHub ID, I built the cloud, is actually very well known in the in, in the in the in the Docker community right now. <laughs> That's, That's awesome. awesome. <laughs> we were gonna actually we were actually gonna we're, you you let us right into it. We appreciate that. Uh, we were gonna talk a little bit about Citrix and uh, Citrix is like my best friend and my worst enemy. It was one of the early on when I started to be a systems administrator, deploying MetaFrame on NT three five one. Like back in the day, it was like pulling teeth to try to get that whole thing to work, and then. Putting it up against a, a a a bank of dial-up modems just made me want to quit IT every day. But we're still here, and thanks to Citrix, it's gotten a lot better. What was that like? What was um, you know kind of how did that all start from being cloud.com and what you were delivering? And let us know what you were delivering. And then how did Citrix get interested? And how did the how did the integration go or the the acquisition go? You know, just give us some perspective on that. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, we had a, a, a I loved Shannon to chime, chime in as well. But uh, uh, cloud.com was a was, uh, you know, was an open source business where we uh, kind of uh, saw back in 2008, the some of the early traction that AWS was getting. So we we built a piece of open source software called CloudStack that basically enabled everyone to uh, build a cloud like like EC2, and and you know it, it is actually kind of similar to OpenStack, which became a lot bigger over the years, and but we 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 slightly predated uh, OpenStack, and we were uh, we, we got a tremendous amount of traction, you know, amongst the uh, service provider uh, uh, customer base as well as the enterprise customer base, and at, at the time. Um, uh, I think uh, the landscape was a little different. You know, VMware was designing a product called uh, vCloud Director, if, if some of you probably remember, and was, was, you know, very well received in the market as well. And in fact, back then, I think cloud.com and vCloud Director were kind of uh, competition. And, and, and I think, uh, you know, so, so, so it's actually kind of natural when Citrix uh, decided to get into a cloud infrastructure uh, space themselves, uh, you know, they decided to acquire one of the leaders in the market, and and that's when Cloud.com became a, a, a cloud platform group uh, inside Citrix, and and we had a we had a uh, we had a very good run uh, inside Citrix. You know, over a period of uh, three years, we we, we doubled, quadrupled uh, our business, probably more than that. And 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 Shannon, can you uh, you know add some shed some more light to that sort of your from your perspective, the, the acquisition experience and, uh, and and how the business grew at Citrix. Yeah, absolutely. It was um, you know it was a it was it was a great marriage. The, you know, Citrix, you know, Mark Templeton as, as CEO and and the team at Citrix was was really looking at how to you know kind of expand from their traditional function of you know end user computing. And you know, they'd made the Zen acquisition before you know before that. They'd bought Netscaler, and so it was really, you know, part of a broader movement Citrix was making to try and become, um, you know, more more of a data center company. And uh, you know, it, it was it was a challenge. It was not not necessarily easy because it was obviously not the core business that Citrix had had historically. So it, you know, there was there was some amount of leverage, but it was probably you know somewhat limited. But the experience was was great. I mean, Citrix is one of those companies that has a culture that's hard to replicate. It's a culture that's just incredibly positive. It started with Mark Templeton, and you know, the whole time we were there, he just, you know, he he was uh, he was such a huge advocate of of you know expanding Citrix into new areas and pushing boundaries. And so, you know, we, you know, Citrix was one of the founding members in OpenStack, and and really, you know, really got. I think very early into the concepts that would be really important for cloud computing around, you know, uh, implementing frameworks that would be, um, you know, great for both on-premise and public clouds. And so it was, as Shen said, the, the growth was really, was incredibly fast. Um, you know, at the same time, the OpenStack was becoming really a standard, I think, in the industry, which made it more challenging. And so, you know, over time, I think what we saw was as OpenStack became a standard, you know, it made a lot of sense to begin to support that as the core approach to doing cloud computing as opposed to pushing, you know, an alternate standard that wasn't was that would only be supported by, you know, our install base and the, uh, you know, in Citrix. And so that was sort of the, the, the long-term outcome was, you know, a move to sort of take that install base and that, you know, incredible success we had with companies like BT and Zynga and Apple and, 
city and so many people that were running large cloud stack deployments and help them, you know, kind of migrate that towards OpenStack in the long run. So that's that's really it was a great experience. I think we we spent three years there, and you know one of the big I think informative experiences we had to help us get started with with Rancher was was toward towards the end of of Citrix uh, our time we had been working with one of the largest um, uh, financial services companies in the world on a large cloud deployment of, of CloudStack, and you know during that time they were. They were thinking about how to, you know, how to kind of build a layer of technology that would allow them to use their this private cloud they deployed, along with their existing VMware footprint and potentially Amazon, Azure, other public cloud resources, in a you know standardized way. And obviously, there were a lot of cloud management platforms out there, but I think they had a very early insight that that those were going to be um, those were going to be problematic. Maintaining integration with many clouds and doing it consistently was just hard. You know, you, it's hard to abstract something on top of very different APIs and very different capabilities. And so, you know, in talking with them, this was even a little bit before Docker came around, and we started talking about potentially using LXC, using containers as a way to package up code and deploy that. And so some of the investigation we did at that time, you know, made it, you know, it was pretty. It was pretty compelling. Um, you know, but it, but there was obviously there was quite a bit of work that needed to be done around the edges. And so, um, you know, we kind of put it off at the time. And then I would say not six months later, you know, um, Solomon and, and the team at DocCloud introduced the Docker framework, and we're like, oh, well, that would have made it a lot easier. And and, uh, and I know for Darren, for me, for a lot of the guys, it was very. You know, that was a very. Um, it was a big moment because it kind of said, you know, with that vision we had of, of maybe a, fl- a simple framework and platform that would, you know, implement not just a, a standard way of deploying the application, but also standardize the infrastructure experience, you know, standardize all the uh, user management, the, uh, the audit, the controls that sort of companies want to implement, you know, that might be possible. And that led us to Rancher. Cool. So um, quick question kind of back to the Citrix portion what did cloud.com become? So is there a name that we could recognize out there in the, <clears throat> excuse me, in the uh, Citrix portfolio? Yeah, it's called Cloud Platform. Um, it's it's cause the Citrix Cloud Platform is the, is where they is where so cloud.com ended up. Okay. And I'm assuming um, so you said this is the, the the lean is towards an open stack environment. Um, I'm I got to I got to expect that you guys know Randy Bias by by at least name if not uh, company. Oh, we know Randy really well. Randy, Randy probably one of our biggest wins as a company was at Korea Telecom, and and that never would have happened without Randy. Randy was the consultant driving the project and introduced CloudStack. You know, was a uh, was the you know was the <laughs> my first trip to Korea was sitting and having uh, dinner with Randy and um, you know and learning basic Korean. So yeah, I know Randy really well. We both know Randy really well. Yeah, we we as a company, I think we would not have succeeded without without Randy. Oh, very cool. It's a small world. Yeah. Yeah, and so, I, I also didn't know that you, it, you guys are, I'm going to say, at fault rather than responsible for Farmville's success. So I'm not sure <laughs> if you should, you know, brag too much about that. I, you know, Zynga's a great company. I'm just I'm just not, uh, they ruined Facebook for me. But, you know, good job on that. <laughs> well, speaking of the past, we do a segment every week called This Week in Tech History, and uh, we're going to continue doing that. So in July of 2009... Yahoo sold its search engine to Microsoft with the intent that basically Bing would integrate or give them uh, a certain amount of ads. I think it was like 50% of their ads as kickbacks. And now, seven years later, 
Verizon just buys Yahoo for $4.7 billion. Um, and then subsequently, Verizon bought AOL just a year ago for another $4 billion. So um, pretty interesting to see you know, how this has transpired over the years. I think everyone has an opinion on, on Yahoo. But uh, $125 billion back in its peak in 2000, and now we sit at $4.7 billion. Um, I guess Shang, what are your what are your thoughts on on that acquisition and and what uh, you know what Verizon is doing with gobbling up these content uh, giants? Oh no, I mean I think you know it it just underscores how uh, how fast moving and how disruptive uh, our space can be. You know, uh, I mean that is that is of course in the consumer internet space and which traditionally moves fast, but uh, I think what's Perhaps even more surprising, and and you know, it left an even stronger impression in, in me was uh, was how uh, how cloud computing really came along. You know, we, uh, you know, like I said, we we started cloud.com in two thousand eight. We went around and told everyone, AWS is going to be big. You know, it's gonna it's probably going to impact VMware's business. It's going to impact Cisco's business in some way. And, and 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 it was just you know not many people I think believe that back then. And and I think that really started to turn around. Uh, the, the the really the one concrete. Uh, a point that I can remember was sometime last year when when Amazon finally revealed all of their um, uh, uh, financials for Amazon Web Services, and I think that really for a lot of people uh, it started to sink in. You know, maybe that is where computing infrastructure is going, and and I think uh, what a you know what a difference the last year or two has made is a. Uh, is a uh, you know now I think people are taking moving to the cloud for granted and it's you know regarded it's a, it's not a it's it's just a matter of when it's it's no longer a matter of if so 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 that is you know really really remarkable. Yeah, absolutely, great insight. So, um, Shang, let's let's go ahead and kick it off into let's dive into Rancher, right? So first of all, you know we found and by we I mean kind of EMC. We found you guys at the EMC Code booth at EMC World. So. How did that get initiated? Because I'll tell you, um, we ended up seeing your guys' stuff at EMC World uh, 2016 uh, on stage live. So tell us kind of how that relationship got started, and you know how you ended up on stage at EMC World. Yeah, it was uh, you know it was it was it was it was really a fantastic experience that got us there. You know what? Um, uh, as you, know, I mean, Rancher is uh, as you know. First, kind of have to explain a little bit. What Rancher does, and and you can see how that fits into the to, to the to the EMC vision. So so really, what Rancher does is we're you know we're big fans in, about cloud computing, and we're also big fans about um, uh, uh, containers, and we always had a bit of a more infrastructure slant than uh, pers- we kind of putting a more infrastructure perspective than a lot of the uh, other uh, folks who work with containers, who generally more come from you know, app platform that space. So for us, it's always it's always been more about from container uh, platform layer down. So we, we're always thinking not like not just you know how do I compose these containers and turn them into applications, which is important, but that's just not what we came from. So we're always thinking how can we. Uh, Take all kinds of infrastructure and support containers better, and and that infrastructure could be you know could be a EMC piece of EMC storage that 
infrastructure could be a hyper-converged infrastructure, it could be a UCS server, or it could be, you know, Amazon Web Services, right? The hosted infrastructure or the cloud infrastructure. So, so we were always thinking about that. And, and, and as the container uh, uh, ecosystem started to grow, uh, you know, our, our product kind of got, got fleshed out in that context. So if you kind of look at what Rancher is today, Rancher is effectively a way that it's, it's a bridge between different kinds of infrastructure and different kinds of container orchestration and application frameworks. You know, so the big container orchestration frameworks that everyone knows about today are Mesos, Kubernetes, and Swarm. So, so we support all of, all of three. We distribute all of the three. We we actually have main, have 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 supported distributions of 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 of, of Swarm. Kubernetes and Mesos. And then on the other side, we just kind of figure out a way so they get hooked into all these things could, could, could get hooked into different kinds of infrastructure, whether it's AWS, DigitalOcean on one extreme, or, you know, uh, um, uh, uh, for enterprise customers, it'll be UCS, EMC, right, uh, VMAX, uh, anything, uh, you know, Nutanix, uh, just Whatever the VMware, the 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 the, the, the enterprise grade uh, infrastructure on the other extreme. So 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 we support all of that. So it's fairly natural, you know. When um, when uh, I think I think this EMC uh, uh, engagement came along because um, uh, the the uh, the EMC a lot of the EMC code initiatives I think caught our attention. So we kind of started to. Uh, to, to work with it. Well, at the same time, uh, uh, Josh Bernstein at EMC Code really saw uh, how the way we were sort of uh, marrying the the the, the uh, container orchestration frameworks and infrastructure, which really fits into his vision as well, and 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 also the way we're able to incorporate. Uh, you know, uh, I would say three main pieces of uh, EMC technology at the time uh, was a Rack HD, uh, which is a way to uh, take bare metal infrastructure and incorporate it into a container uh, platform. And, and the, other, the other was Raxray, which is the EMC's uh, um, uh, storage driver framework. And, 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 and we are able to Really make it that easy for for a enterprise user to use Raxray to instantiate Raxray and then use Raxray to um, uh, start to use you know uh, EMC storage both software and hardware and the other was just our ability to uh, automate some uh, deployment of EMC software defined storage in particular Scale IO so Scale IO is already containerized and we're able to to uh, deployed very easily uh, uh, as a uh, you know as, as as a cluster on any type of infrastructure, uh, both on premise or even on AWS. So so as you can see, it's a, it's, a, it's you know it's a, it's a it's a pretty good um, uh, uh, match. We we basically filled some of the missing pieces that Josh was looking for, and he he basically from his perspective he wanted EMC infrastructure on one side. 
and with the potential of leveraging cloud infrastructure, which may not be, I mean, it could be, you know, could be virtual stream or could be another cloud, right? And on the other side, he wanted to run things like Kubernetes and Mesos, and 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 and, and he wanted to leverage technologies like RackHD and 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 RacksRay and and utilize technologies like ScaleIO. So, which is so 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 Rancher made it happen. Yeah, and, and so I'm, before we get into more about what Rancher does, because we really want to do that, I have a, I have a really, I have a driving curiosity for Shannon, which is really around the business value that you can derive from something like that, right? So uh, the way we saw you in the EMC code booth, you were doing 30 minutes, 60 minutes, you know, whatever present, whatever like those presentations were, you know, you had your stickers out there, which I now have a little, uh, uh, the cutest little cow on my on my laptop now, uh, or bull or whatever, it's got horns, so it's a maybe it's a bull. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's and um, you, you presented to a lot of people and you presented on stage and it, it's irrelevant to the actual EMC story, but you were in the EMC code booth. I'm curious what business value came as a result of that type of marketing. Really just curious in general, as you see a startup partner with a, a large industry partner and then come into their convention and do those kind of things, um, irrespective of us, what, what did it do for your business? You know, it's a, it's a, that's such a good question, and it's 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 one thing that we um, we weren't totally sure about going in. You know, we came in kind of wondering um, how good the audience was going to be for us because we knew that you know there were going to be a lot of, of storage admins and storage you know focused executives that um, probably you know containers weren't on the top of their agenda at the moment, like it might be if it was. Uh, a developer con- con- uh, conference or a virtualization conference or something. But what it ended up doing, and and probably partly because, you know, because um, there were so many interesting demos going on from the MC Code guys, but it really it really did two things. One, I think it did a lot to, you know, help some, some very large organizations start to realize that not only is this container thing happening already in their organizations, but it, but their bigger vendors, the people that they sort of count on for production-grade uh, systems, were heading in this direction. And that that establishes credibility. Um, and it's amazing you know, how often um, I hear from people that I, I, we didn't actually, at least I don't think we met in person at that event, but who were impacted by um, hearing about us at the event or hearing uh, you know, about us even after the event from you know, uh, people who worked at EMC who, who said, yeah, you know, I've heard of this, this company rancher. If you're looking at this in this space, they, they seem to be doing really interesting things and, and they're, you know, and so what we're seeing now is, you know, containers are moving pretty quickly towards, um, not just production. I mean, they're already in production for a lot of organizations, but they're, they're starting to move from being something that's driven as a, a project with a single dev team or somebody saying, Hey, we're going to use you know, containers for this new application we're developing to something that is IT organizations are starting to say, well, how will we, how are we going to manage these things? How are we going to deliver, you know, con- deliver a container service to our company? And that transition from containers as a project enabler to containers as a service is really when you see containers moving from the dev and the DevOps teams to the IT organization. And so, you know, I think that's happening and we're seeing, I'm, I'm amazed at how many projects we're seeing where that's happening and the key questions they're asking are about things like uh, storage and, and about how this works with VMware and how this works with, you know, my existing, you know, UCS infrastructure or FlexPods or VBlocks. And so, you know, hearing, um, I think what we're finding is that, you know, we, we, you know, we're big believers for a long time that, you know, technology shifts are are start from the ground up. They're, they're, 
teams and individuals find new technology that can make their their systems better, whether it's VMware or Linux or Amazon, you know, there's a disruptive nature that, um, by and large, IT teams struggle to to implement. IT teams are really good at, you know, progressive I- enhancement where they just, you know, they, they, they get faster and cheaper and better year over year. But the more disruptive type of change tends to come from, uh, you know, from the, the, you know, smaller teams and from the ground up. And so, you know, I think we've been going through that. Containers are, are coming up four years four years now. They've, they, you know, they're they're kind of passing that point where, you know, people ignoring them at the at the central party are saying, you know, just do what you want. So, the the, the being, you know, working with EMC and not just at, at EMC world, but actually in accounts where EMC team, you know, teams and rancher teams are working together to deliver solutions and to work with CIOs on their strategy for building a container service and, you know, looking at how tools like Scale.io make it possible to take you know, less expensive infrastructure and deliver, you know, very good, highly reliable services for distributed applications. These kind of conversations are are just dramatically more successful with an IT organization when that IT organization is hearing it not just from, you know, a 40-person startup, but they're also seeing, you know, large established players that have um, have been critical to their success already in delivering reliable applications saying, you know, we see this happening and we think it's a really good thing and we're looking at our product roadmap in ways to look at how we support that. So, And, and you mentioned the CIO game, right? So, I mean, you're, you're, you're in the sales game, so I, and I, I'm curious about this. You go talk to a CIO and they're like, I, I know my people are making a container strategy and we've talked to all the, you know, you know, Googles and all these things about what they're trying to do. Why do they need to incorporate Brancher into their strategy from an executive's perspective? Well, in a lot of ways, the, the the reason is because they, you know, this this shift uh, to you know developer productivity and application um, agility is is probably right at the very top of the CIO requirement list. And so when they when they sit down with their you know their customers, their you know the development teams, the product owners, the product managers, you know what they're hearing is, I need you guys to say yes. I need you to say yes more than to say say no. And so. One of the reasons that Rancher, I think, has become so popular as a container uh, management platform for the enterprise is that it is much less opinionated about, um, you know, the the how of, you know, whether you use Kubernetes or Mesos than it is about, you know, providing a, a really easy uh, interface and a very, you know, powerful back end that can work with the existing investments that that CIO has put in place and that connects to the existing directory services and everything. So like our implementation of Kubernetes is just incredibly popular with um, IT orgs, I would say, because I think they're all, they all see the benefits of something like Kubernetes as an open source project, but they want a supported version. They want something that, you know, comes up in a few minutes and they want to be able to give it to any team that wants it when they, you know, as they ask for it. So self-service on demand, Kubernetes, Mesos, swarm clusters for their developers is just a, it's just very appealing. It's the closest thing to what they kind of imag- imagine when you think of an IT organization delivering, you know, container clusters as a service to their developers. All right, so awesome. So um, let's kind of before we dive into uh, more of the product and, and how it works and what the components are, um, let's talk a little bit about about who you guys are. We found out you know there's four founders. We know you, Shang and Shannon. Uh, there's two others. But uh, it looks like you guys are located in Mesa, Arizona, which is actually where I live as well. Um, so I'm going to definitely have to stop by if you guys have an office. And then also Cupertino. But how big is your organization today? 
Yeah, we have about 40 people, you know, obviously mostly developers. Uh, um, uh, you know, we have uh, we have a majority of our developers in Cupertino and we have about a 10 person team uh, in Mesa, Arizona. It's, it's, it's a great place uh, right. to do some development. Cool. Brett, yeah. Brett, well, this isn't I'm, your time for an interview. No, no. <laughs> I, I'm going to I'm going to definitely start pulling your guys into meetings because this is fun stuff. But um, in, in my research, it looks like you guys have about a million plus downloads. Do you have any idea where you are today with uh, total kind of consumption? Yeah, it's um, you know we've we have some we have some good internal things uh, you know that kind of give us an idea in terms of the the amount of, of forum hits and stuff. But it's an open source project that people just start as a you know Docker run. Really, the best indicator is is what we pull from uh, Docker Hub, which is which is good. It, it's it tells us that we're you know, there's more than a million pulls, that there's more than five million agents that have been pulled, um, but it's not super granular. So, um, you know, what we find is, you know, it's often like many open source projects, it's often kind of a surprise when we get a call from a user who tells us, hey, we're running, you know, a thousand you know nodes out there of Rancher and. We love it. We need to, um, you know, we're, we're kind of, you know, we want to put this in production and we would like support. So we're, you know, we're like many open source users, you know, we, we sort of respond as the market kind of responds to us. And we find out a lot of times unexpectedly, you know, someone will come up on stage at a, at a conference a few months ago, you know, a team from the NHS in the UK spoke at a doctor meetup in London and just said, you know, this, this tool manager is really um, critical to what we're doing around containers, and it, it really is helping us uh, implement it as a service. And, and now they're a customer and, and have have rolled it out further, but it was, you know, kind of, off, you know, sometimes it's really like that. We find out about things just from, um, you know, from the community and people getting involved and people sharing their stories. Sure. So, Shang, when you when you guys started the company, um, there's obviously a, a, a choice between open source and closed. So, um, what made you guys lean towards open source and kind of go whole hog with it? Uh, this, I mean, for me, there was never really any choice. You know, the, the, the infrastructure software, the type of software that we're building today, uh, which, you know, doesn't really have any, you know, vertical application logic. It's, it's a, we, you know, we want Rancher to be a platform that's widely adopted by the enterprise. Uh, you know, there's, there's, there's really no question that uh, at this point uh, uh, open source is the only way to go okay that's fair for answer uh, so we, we've touched on this a bunch of times let's kind of boil down what rancher is right we've talked about the fact that it can deploy manage and support things like kubernetes mesos and swarm um, which in and of themselves are container managers and things like that so talk about how the rancher kind of ecosystem takes all these things puts them together and differentiates you so that people would even consider using Rancher versus just each of those things independently. Yeah, I mean, I think the the, the, the top level business problem uh, uh, Rancher is really trying to solve is, um, is, I mean, Rancher is not a piece of technology. It is not a, say, a container orchestration technology like Kubernetes or Swarm. But the, the problem, the business problem we were seeing was it, it was just too hard for an enterprise organization to consume uh, open source technology, typically, you know, at, at multiple levels from storage, networking, uh, container runtime, load balancing, firewalling, you know, IP tables, all the way up to scheduling, orchestration, things like Kubernetes, Mesos, and Swarm, and really, 
uh, have all, uh, put them all together usually involves more than a dozen also pieces of uh, different technologies and, and getting it to work. So Rancher is a product. Rancher is a turnkey product that um, uh, that IT organizations can use to launch a container service. And, and by a container service, we mean um, the uh, you know people uh, in inside an IT organization, inside a DevOps organization, can self-service come in. Uh, get the infrastructure they need to to run their containerized app. So just like you know, just just like vCloud Director or you know AWS is a uh, is a cloud service, right? So people can do virtual machines uh, in a self service manner. Um, uh, container service platforms like Rancher basically enables. Uh, uh, large organizations, teams inside these large organizations who are not necessarily, in, uh, you know, low-level uh, infrastructure engineers themselves, they can focus on um, building and deploying apps, and then they can kind of delegate that uh, the, the the overhead of managing a container service to to Rancher. And so these container services that are part, part of your ecosystem, you've mentioned Kubernetes, and it looks like you're already working on uh, Kubernetes 1.3. Um, so, that, you know, we were just talking to them last week. Uh, Docker Swarm, Mesos. Um, I see some other things that may, in my mind, be absent. Some other container companies, maybe some of the other options. Uh, and then I'm curious about the ability to also orchestrate um, containers from the cloud. So... Um, when we see things like CoreOS that may be out there, and then eventually things like what Mike, what Hyper-V is doing with containers, is that just next on the list and it's just not there yet? Or where, where are you guys at as far as your strategy there? Yeah, we, we, we uh, at this point, we do not yet support the... Um uh, uh, you know the, the 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 rocket. I think that's probably what you mean. The rocket container engine that CoreOS came up with. I mean, we certainly be totally open to supporting that. You know, technically, uh, there's really no problem for us to support that. And and we just kind of got to make a, a choice based on uh, the user adoption. As you probably know today, uh, you know, Docker. Runtime is the de facto container runtime standard. So, so that's, I mean, it has the market share, and that's what we decided to support. Uh, Hyper-V and Windows, that's a very important platform. So we are working on adding Windows container support to Rancher, and we, we, we hope to have it soon. And as, a, as somebody who's consuming, and we talk about the idea of it being on-prem and then also having something where you have something that might be off-prem, uh, understanding that you can leverage things like Kubernetes and Docker on and off, like you could leverage Amazon and still run those there. Is there a benefit where a customer could use your product and natively consume, uh, a, you know, AWS or Azure containers and not have those overlaying kind of management tools? Would that would is that a possibility, or would that even be beneficial? Um, so. Um so yeah, I mean, uh, uh, if I if I if I uh, 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 let me know if I'm not answering your the the the, the question uh, you wanted, but uh, you know, from our perspective, you can always directly leverage uh, cloud providers uh, yourselves. But the problem with that is the uh, diff, uh, you know different cloud providers say VMware is the dominant from our point of view dominant private cloud. 
other big, pretty big private cloud platform is OpenStack, right? But VMware is much bigger. And then on the public cloud side, you have, you know, you have Amazon, DigitalOcean, Google, Microsoft, and others. And, and, and they're all a little different. Uh, you know, the API is different, the behavior is different, and, and, and still they give you resources and you can certainly choose to deal with that difference yourself. And, and the, the, the advantage of, um, of, of, of using all these things through Rancher is that now all, the, all of these resource pools become exactly the same. Uh, uh, so the only difference uh, when you consume resource through Rancher out of all these places is just you know, the quality and quantity of these resources, but not in terms of the API and behavior and feature set of these resources. So, uh, and, and, and that is really the greatest value, I think, um, uh, containers bring to uh, to an IT organization, where it truly, uh, uh, you know, it's it's by design that that the resource pools become uh, become interchangeable, and the cloud becomes hybrid. Okay, that does make sense. You did answer my question. Um, so now, as as we've talked about what you kind of support and deploy and manage, there's also this concept of the application catalog that we were reading about. Um, and you were nice enough to mention that there are a couple of things that, uh, you know, Brent and I are, are, are relatively familiar with, you know, Scale.io and Rexray and those things as part of your, are they actually part of the application marketplace? And then also, you know, all these other things like Hadoop and Zookeeper and all that. Can you just kind of explain the application catalog as a whole? Either one of you can answer. Yeah, we, we kind of stumbled onto this area, and it's been tremendously popular. You know, uh, like, you know, we, <laughs> we always uh, felt we're one level below the, the, the Docker runtime layer or the Kubernetes layer. So we're, we're, all, we're very infrastructure focused. So we didn't, we, we didn't, you know, we weren't past people. We weren't really trying to you know, uh, do some kind of a user experience or anything like that. But, but, it, but it so comes, a lot of the, those tools are very rough. So we, we, you know, so Rancher got into the user interface business as well, because, you know, without a good user interface, it was hard for enterprise to consume things like, like Kubernetes or, or Swarm, right? So, so we, we ended up building user interfaces. Then the next thing that came was, uh, it was really a very small step. It's like, you know, you know, you, today you can type a command and deploy an app. Pretty much, it's it's also maybe it's one key deploy. You know, you just one command deploy. You type a command and tell it what the app template file is, and it'll deploy it. And then with another command, you can upgrade it. With another command, you can kill it. So that's all very good. So it was actually a relatively simple thing for us to do to, to also uh, make a UI for that. And that became the app catalog. It's, it's like an app store for a clustered enterprise-grade app. So I thought technically that wasn't that big of a deal. But what we hadn't realized was uh, sometimes it just takes a little bit of a user experience improvement like that to really catch people's attention. So so then what happens was, uh, uh, you know, all of a sudden, folks like, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of uh, 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 container ecosystem vendors started to see this, and they started to voluntarily contribute uh, uh, their uh, uh, the, 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 the templates they've written, and uh, and they started putting it into our catalog. I think I think as of today, there are probably dozens, 40, 50, 60 uh, catalog entries. You know, ranging from, of course, the EMC. Uh, a software stack like like Rexray and and Rack and and Scale.io to you know to some of the big data uh, 
uh, uh, uh, software stacks to monitoring, so uh, to uh, to some other you know networking, uh, uh, big uh, databases, NoSQL and SQL. So it, it I think it, it really seems to be taking off. So it's uh, it, it's very exciting. So uh, Shannon, I'll ask you this question: um, If we talk more about the 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 catalog itself, the application catalog, you know, I know that. Uh, things like Mesos and others have their own catalog already there. Are you leveraging what they already have built and kind of re representing that through yours, or have you kind of recreated the wheel, so to speak? Yeah, we're leveraging a lot of things that are already out there. Um, what, we're, what we're seeing is sort of a split between application catalogs and infrastructure service catalogs. So, you know, imagine the difference between I want to deploy WordPress or I want to turn on Datadog monitoring or Sysdig monitoring. Um, they're, they're, you know, one of those is sort of generically the same across the different cluster types. So when I set up, if I want to monitor, uh, you know, my my infrastructure, my my containers, I can deploy Sysdig identically on the, you know, on Mesos, on Kubernetes, on Swarm. So we make those type of things really easy um, to deploy as kind of system services and system components. And that's where you'll see networking drivers, storage drivers, middleware components. I mean, all sorts of things can sort of sit at a layer that is independent and means that those vendors can just write once and, and for our whole user base, it'll run on all of these systems. For other components, there are different catalogs that are already available and different standards that are already supported. So Mesos is a good example. There's already uh, Mesos you know, plugins and services that are, that are available. So we're really just implementing those existing services. We're not redeveloping that those those things. We're just making them, you know, one click deployable for our install base. So it's it, that's been very popular. And the same is really true with with Docker. I mean, everything we're using to define these is is just standard. So it's you know it's based on Compose in the case of, of a Docker environment, or in the case of of Kubernetes, it's just the standard you know service controller, replication controller. Um, template format that we're using so we're not we're not really reinventing yeah. the wheel at all we're just taking what what those platforms have defined as how you describe an application and we're allowing you to store them centrally you know kind of give users the ability to instantiate lots of instances of it and you know making it you know in a lot of ways feel like a, an app store and in a real you know configurable thing that i can say okay i want you know i want a redis cluster how many nodes do i want of it um, so that's that's more than model yeah, that's a, that's a lot of fun. So, are you you know back to your metrics and able to track things like how people are downloading things? Does your uh, app catalog and your infrastructure catalog have? Are you able to track or can people see what's most popular and you know where thing how things are really coming down and who's consuming what? Not yet. It's it's something we have on the roadmap that we really um, I think we you know as Shen said we we've introduced the catalog and it, it, you know right now. There's two elements that are popular. One is this big public catalog that people are contributing to, but another element is actually even more popular. I would say, with our users, is is the private catalog. You know, recently on one of our monthly meetups, the team um, that runs the PlayStation Group at Sony was talking, and they they sort of demonstrated in the meetup how they use the private catalog for all of their developers to um, spin up all their dev tools, and and to and so they they have a whole private catalog that they're. They're very popular. Another startup was on our meetup earlier this week, um, a company called LeanKit. That's, you know, they've got about 50, 60 developers as well. And, and they were showing how they use the catalog again for all of their DevOps process. So their entire CI, CD workflow pushes out you know, new application templates into the catalog. So, um, so on the one side, you, know, you, have, you have a lot of internal value that these catalogs are delivering as, a, as just a private 
interface to connect, you know, kind of their their repos of of image formats to the actual infrastructure they want to run on. Um, and then you have the big public open catalog that people are writing, you know, all sorts of things for. So um, in both cases, the, a very common request is, you know, I'd like to be able to comment on these. I want to be able to star them. I want to be able to see how many people have used them. I want to be able to, you know, potentially fork them. So as users have adopted the container more and more, they've pushed us to add, you know, a lot of these more um, almost like social features, you know, the ability to, uh, you know, rate and comment upon and um, and fork different container uh, catalog items. So I think that'll be a big thing we'll work on in the second half of this year. That sounds like fun. And I, I did want to reiterate this because it's pretty cool to me. Um, as a as a as an ecosystem vendor, let's say I've got my, you know, my Cassandra, I'm data stacks, and I really want to put my stuff in there. Um, I can create a deployment and publicly publish it, like basically publish it on your catalog for anybody to be able to consume in their rancher environment. That's exactly right. And that's exactly what the team at at EMC Code has done with uh, with Rexray and Scale.io. I mean, you know, I mean, imagine how cool it is to spin up a, a cluster, a, a Docker cluster, and say, okay, I want to use Scale.io on all these hosts, and and one click deploy, and that's set up. And now that's the persistent storage for your cluster. I mean, that's you know, that's something that typically is is just dramatically more difficult. But you have you know, you have containers that simplify it. You have drivers that simplify it, and now. You know, with Rancher's infrastructure organization, we can deploy it everywhere, hook it up, and, and it just makes it really easy for the admin, for the team trying to use it. Cool. So, so Shang, let's talk about how you guys achieve this. And, I, and I'll tell you, when, when I did research on kind of your stack and, and also deploying this uh, in my home lab, um, it was a little tough for me, I'll, I'll be honest with you. But uh, I got Rancher up and running, and uh, I got Docker installed. But um, you name things docker a lot within your stack right so let's talk about the rancher os um and what that is and then the stack that enables you to deploy containers in in whatever flavor or or using whatever orchestration layer you want yeah um so rancher we have two products rancher and rancher os they're actually completely different products different completely different open source projects uh, Rancher OS is a very small footprint uh, Linux distribution built for the sole purpose of running Docker containers. So it's uh, you know it's easy to deploy. It's small. It's <clears throat> it's probably thirty or so megabytes today, and it's extremely secure. So that's uh, Rancher OS and. Uh, Rancher is something entirely different, as I was explaining earlier. It is a, a full-stack turnkey uh, container services platform, open-source software that you deploy to manage, uh, 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 to, to create you know, Kubernetes clusters, Mesos clusters, Swarm clusters, to integrate a different kind of uh, infrastructure uh, providers like AWS, like EMC, uh, you know, like VMware, and uh, to really give people a user a great user experience, uh, you know, deploying both from command line and from UI and from the catalog. So, uh, so those are the uh, two uh, products that we have. Okay, and so specifically, I was looking for from a rancher, rancher OS perspective, the 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 components that are. System Docker and user Docker, and kind of how you you would layer on. Uh, quickly talk about kind of how that stacks. 
Yeah. Uh, so in in in, in Rancho OS, we, ha- we because we had to build a, uh, a Linux system from scratch uh, for the sole purpose of running Docker without System D. Uh, so we we in, we in the end used uh, Docker daemon itself as the PID one for you know controlling the various system services in 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 a Linux operating system. That's what system Docker is, and you don't really want the system Docker and user Docker to be the same process because you know you don't want a, a user to <clears throat> delete system services if he had to you know reboot, restart his own Docker daemon or remove all the Docker containers that he has, and and then you don't want you know you don't want the DHCP daemon or DNS daemon all these things get removed. So so that's sort of the architecture of Rancho OS is you have system docker daemon that's used to run Linux system services mm-hmm. and then you have a user docker daemon used to run users applications. Okay, great. Awesome. And then Cheng, let's kind of drive forward to that. Uh, cattle. What is cattle? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, cattle is, uh, is just Rancho's native uh, uh, orchestration platform, mostly for infrastructure. We don't talk about it a lot. We don't, uh, uh, we don't, you know, uh, market it a lot at all because it is almost like internal to, to, um, to, to Rancher. It is not a piece of technology we heavily market um, and, and our user even care about. You know, in most cases, cattle is used to stand up and manage uh, uh, infrastructure, like it stands up things like you know you're the the Raxray driver or scale I/O cluster or or a, a a Mesos master or various Mesos slaves, right? Or upgrade these things, you know. So that's really what cattle does. Uh, um, uh, it also happens that some people also use it to orchestrate their own applications, but that's just one possibility. I mean, I think as as time goes on, you'll see more and more people use different kind of application, uh, container application orchestration frameworks. And, and Cattle could also be one of them, but I would think frameworks like Mesos, Kubernetes, and Swarm will probably eventually become more popular. Yeah, you know, what I thought was interesting in an article that I read, um, and I think it was written by one of your folks, um, but basically it was saying, hey, Cattle can spin up a host for you, um, Almost immediately, but if you if you try to do the same thing in Swarm or Kubernetes, it can take five to ten minutes. So, why why is it um, was in first of all is that in fact true? And then secondly, if so, why is it so much quicker? Yeah, I don't. I, I sorry, I don't. Uh, I'm sorry, I don't exactly know what comment you're referring to here uh, in terms of uh, spinning up hosts, but uh, but. Um, uh, the uh, uh, you know the the the, uh, the 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 way it is right now is cattle is used to orchestrate things like uh, you know a computing hosts storage networking uh, it kind of lays out everything that you need to run Kubernetes and Mesos so so perhaps uh, the only thing I could think of is without exactly knowing uh, the, the the context this this is written in is perhaps he's comparing the the you know the difference between cattle automatically spinning up uh, the environment for Kubernetes and Mesos versus you would manually you know maybe issue commands and do it yourself. So I, other than that, I don't I mean I don't see 
you know, I, I, I don't see there's anything fundamental with cattle that will make it a lot faster. It's just being used for different purposes. Okay. I think I'll the, see if I yeah. can dig it back up. I think a lot of times the, the use case that, that's getting described there is more, um, you know, building out. You know, what Rancher makes so easy is, you know, most of these most of these users, you know, they're running, they're not running one cluster, right? They're running multiple clusters of this of the different orchestration stacks. And so what Rancher is doing is not just you know standing them up, but also laying down the network, deploying the the all of the infrastructure below it, and you know setting up the setting up the storage. It's really that that's probably where you know a lot of our customers really get excited is that the zero to Kubernetes time is now, you know, four or five minutes as opposed to, um, you know, building out a cluster, which can be a relatively significant undertaking for any of these, these orchestration platforms. So as you get into a multi-cloud scenario, as you have, uh, or a multi, you know, provider or whatever this looks like here, um, the, you know, there's a lot of data from running a well-run infrastructure in regards to kind of telemetry and monitoring. And each of the individual groups have their own telemetry and monitoring that they're doing to have a, a well-run infrastructure and highly efficient. Um, but when they have somebody next door that may be a different container management group, uh, how, do, how do you get that kind of cross-platform telemetry and monitoring? Do you have your own? Do you plug in at a lower level? Are you leveraging an outside, you know, outside provider? How, does that, how is that done? Yeah, this is such a great question because Rancher being a container production platform, we we see this a lot. So so what 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 we can do is uh, uh, we do some basic level of uh, uh, monitoring and stats collection at the platform level to the extent that Docker supports it or the load balancer supports it. You know the infrastructure elements already support it. So for example, we can collect. Uh, CPU, memory, you know, network I/O, storage, the basic throughputs and latency data, stuff like that. We can also uh, <coughs> collect uh, some of the simple, you know, application health data, uh, primarily, you know, uh, collected through through TCP uh, uh, probes, uh, HTTP probes. The same thing that the load balancer would be able to tell you. So, so, so we take care of that. But then when it comes to uh, uh, application level monitoring, you know, the type of monitoring really different teams would prefer to have their own mechanisms and collect different kind of stats and different telemetry. Uh, in that case, we leverage uh, going back to, you know, our earlier saying of the catalog. That's actually going to be part of our infrastructure catalog. Today, it's just part of Rancher catalog that you can deploy monitoring frameworks like, you know, like Datadog, like Prometheus, like Sysdig, right? Like WeWorks, you know, all of these things can uh, 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 a, a, a a rancher user can very easily instantiate and and start to use that to 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 start to collect collect data, and he can even instantiate um, a, a multiple one of them if if that's what he desires. That's cool. It's uh, it's it's an interesting problem, right? And I think there's probably somebody out there again as people contribute back. An integration at a lower level that has a more global experience from monitoring uh, might be something that when somebody contributes uh, would really kind of just help turn yet another corner. Uh, my, you know, my last question for you guys is really around consumption models, right? This is an open source product uh, in, in most cases, and people still either they want support or things like that. What are your consumption models? Do so you have things like, uh, you know, is it can they come lease it from you? Do they, you know, buy it outright? Is it support only? What do, how do they consume this? 
That's a great question. We, um, you know, we, we're really, it's one of the things we're working through actually right now. Um, we've, you know, for our, for our first, you know, hundred plus customers, we've really been, um, working with them on, you know, giving them sort of annual support contracts. So their, their implementation, they, they'll sign an annual support contract based on the size of their implementation. So it's very consumption model driven. Um, but one of the things that's happened a lot recently is we're seeing a ton of demand from managed service providers that want to bring Rancher to market to their customer bases. And so, um, you know, in a lot of ways, we're trying to look at smaller consumption models, looking at, you know, allowing people to pay really as they consume, um, especially as they go through these partners. So, you know, for us, it's a little bit hard to, as a, as a startup, to support people that are doing, you know, kind of one host for an hour. Um, but, you know, I think in a lot of ways, we, we can definitely see partners being able to deliver that type of model, um, you, you know, very well, where they're providing a lot of that overlay and aggregating a lot of smaller customers into, uh, you know, to deal with the first level support. So we see, you know, I see a lot of potential for, you know, delivering containers as a service, both inside the enterprise, but also as managed services. And, um, and we're trying to adjust our models to, to really work well with those those deployments. Awesome. Thanks, Shannon. So uh, I know, Shane, you got a, you got a boogeyman. So real quick, um, how can we follow you guys on social media and uh, learn more about Rancher? Yeah, you can just find us on uh, on Twitter at Rancher underscore labs and visit us at Rancher.com. We also have a, a really popular YouTube channel where we post tons of really great videos and meetups on, you know, just how to learn about all these topics, how to run containers in Amazon, how to use Kubernetes, what to do with Mesos. So there's a there's a ton of great content out there and we're, um, you know, the other thing is just get involved. Uh, you know, it's an open source project. Try it. You know, file a bug. Help us, uh, help us make it even better. Yeah, and awesome. Shang, Shang uh, before right as you run out the door, do you have a book or anything you would suggest to our listeners that you think that they should be reading right now? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think you know, there's a there's 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 been tons of books around. Uh, Docker that's published already, but what I uh, I don't unfortunately I don't exactly remember uh, the, the the author of the book. But but you know I think ultimately what what I would recommend is read some books around operations and uh, and microservices. You know Google has published a book about SRE. I mean I, I particularly like that uh, site recover uh, reliability engineering, and that really goes behind the reasons of a uh, driving forces behind containerization. And, and these new type of orchestration and scheduling frameworks. Awesome. We, we know you have to run, so thank you so much, Shang, for joining us, and uh, we'll, we'll spend the last couple of minutes with Shannon. Thank you very much. Thanks. Thanks, Brian. Thanks, Brent. It was great yeah. talking to you. Thanks, Thanks Shang. So, yeah, Shannon, you were going to say yeah. somebody? Yeah, I was just going to add to that uh, to that book question. The um, we had a we have a great person in our community who actually wrote a a really good ebook on um, on just doing CI/CD with uh with docker and containers and he um you know he, he wrote it we started working with him and we've made it free and available on our website so if people want to download that it's, it's actually yeah it's very good very unbiased kind of look at you know what are the different things you need to think about understanding monitoring understanding storage management understanding sort of you know the process of release management on containers it just it's one of my favorite reads um, and we're really excited to put that out there to people. So yeah, definitely take a look and download that. It's written by uh, a guy named Usman Ismail, who's, who's just fantastic. I, I awesome. love free eBooks. Um, <laughs> I have all of them, amazingly, and just put them <laughs> put them right in my iBooks, and uh, and then read like a couple of pages every once in a while. So that's super cool. And so we did have um, you know one more you know curiosity for you on some of this stuff as far as you know community and some of those things. Uh, it, 
you know, we're curious how the community is treating you. Um, and then I have another follow-up that's really kind of on the origins of this because I want to I want to clarify. I'm pretty curious about uh, you know as you guys first started up on day one. So how's how's the community going? What are you seeing as far as the uptake and uh, you know people giving back and contributing and things like that? You know, it's funny. We um, we only GA uh, Rancher with a 1.0 release in March, so we're only like maybe I guess three four months now into sort of life post uh, post launch. It was like the last day of March, so figure a little more than three months now. And um, before that, though, we'd run about a nine month beta, and during the nine month beta, the, the the adoption really started to pick up. You know, we we sort of were kind of hoping to get one or two hundred good beta users, and we ended up with like more than two thousand companies in the beta trying it filing bugs pushing you know good and it was enormously valuable teams like you know the the, just all sorts of of different devops teams and groups would share you know how they actually did things and come back to us with feature requests and uh, once we ga'd we saw kind of a shift in that the the community early on was really these um you know really very much uh, startups web companies um you know kind of very cloud native app dev groups coming from larger companies but they were all already speaking our language and and kind of talking containers talking this so they were kind of well educated what's changed in the last you know since we GA'd it's it's kind of We've had sort of explosive growth in the community and among downloads and everything and what we're seeing now is definitely um, a lot of people who are, and I saw this at DockerCon too, a lot of people who are, you know, maybe they haven't been engaged in this since the beginning. They're a little bit less well-educated and they're coming and, you know, they're almost coming because their teams have said, hey, we need to go look at this. And a lot of them are coming from IT. They've, they've been VMware admins. They've been um, running, you know, traditional IT ops type of projects. And so we're definitely seeing a community that's um, that's bringing a different set of requirements and also bringing a different set of experience than what we saw during the beta. And that's been really, really interesting because it's driven a lot of features and capabilities that we put on the roadmap to to make things work better for those types of companies and those types of organizations, you know, more, more granular RBAC, more ability to do um, better maintenance of hosts. I mean, just a lot of the, the good operational stuff that, um, that those, those, those ops engineers, you know, kind of immediately identify and say, well, this is great, but what about, blank? you know, what about this? What about, you know, kind of doing, you know, scaling across multiple data centers with different head nodes and federating, you know, these kind of really good questions that, um, that you, you don't always get when you're dealing with a, you know, a specific application team trying to roll their application out into production. So it's been great. It's been a, the communities, as always, kind of drives us forward and gives us a lot of the vision of where we should go. That's awesome. So my other question for you was in our research. We, you know, we were kind of digging around and uh, I'm fascinated by this from just a, you know, kind of, it's almost like a chicken and egg question, but, um, you know, when you first started Rancher and I don't know if it was an idea that was, you know, formed while doing other things and then became a company, but our research showed that you were really starting to do this around LXC and things like that, like other container management, which is a very similar story to, you know, Google solving their containers problem before they were leveraging other people's kind of container standards. So is that in fact how Rancher started? You were kind of aiming at other containers, and then when Doctor when Docker really started making noise and becoming a bit of the de facto, um, you could easily switch towards that. Or what's kind of the story of like the the origin? Yeah, it's not that's not quite right for us. I mean, um, we we were we did you know kind of look at LXC, but it was it was probably before Docker even came about, and and it was brought back when we were still at Citrix and looking at it you know, with a few customers who were looking at it. So we were kind of had customers saying, hey, would you think something like this might work? Um, and that that got us looking at LXC. And But I think 
well before we decided to even start a company, um, you know, we were really excited about Docker. So Docker had come out, had, had built, um, you know, you know, kind of in, in 2013, Docker sort of became, came to our radar at least. And, and we were like, wow, that's really cool. And so by the time in 2014 that we left, um, you know, we'd already totally decided that Docker was going to be a key component. But, but I do think, you know, Shank's point earlier is really true in that, you know, we as infrastructure people were really, you know, we were really focused on this question of how to build, you know, the, you know, we saw Docker as a component to building a, a really amazing, you know, application delivery platform or a, you know, cloud management platform that would span across infrastructure stacks. I think the more we used it, the more we saw potential that, you know, even within just the community of users of containers, there's a lot of great problems to solve that drove us to to build Rancher. So, you know, I think you can, you know, in our name, there's a certain amount of, we had this, you know, this, this vision that, that infrastructure was, was, was taking a bigger leap towards the, the, you know, sort of the cattle mentality that Randy's always talked about, the, the pets versus cattle thing. And we, we felt like, you know, if everything became cattle, if, if, if a VM was cattle, you know, if, if, you know, all computing resources could be consumed in the same way, then there was potential to really start to commoditize the consumption of compute and establish applications and management stacks and security stacks that were, you know, just by their nature portable, not just the, the image format, which is what Docker's done, but the implementation of storage, the implementation of networking, the implementation of, you know, um, your policies. And so that, in a lot of ways, is what drives us. I mean, when we when we look at the future, we still see a world where, you know, we are going to get to the point where computing is as standardized as, as electricity, and therein lies a ton of opportunity to build frameworks. And Docker, to us, is is by far the biggest step towards that um, since Amazon started. So Amazon, you know, was a big step towards that. I think Docker is a huge step towards that as well. Great, awesome, Shannon. We appreciate obviously the the insight and overview of of not only your your kind of your position in the in the industry, but also on Rancher as a whole. And I think we, we learned a whole heck of a lot. Um, so we're going to go ahead and wrap this up officially. I know Shang had to step out and uh, we are, I think we're pretty far over our time as well, but uh, great content. So speaking of community that you just touched on, you know, we've got one as well. Our listeners out there, we always encourage you guys to give us feedback on how we're doing and what you want to hear next. Um, you've been doing that, so continue to do that. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. And uh, get the stuff out there that you guys are interested in, in hearing about and not just uh, our own convoluted brains coming up with. So um, with that, let's shut down the hot hour for today. My name is Brett Piani. And I'm Brian Carpenter. And Shannon, thanks for being on the show. Thanks so much for having me, guys. It's a, it's a pleasure. I'm a huge fan. <laughs>